Hello, citizens of the Imperium, and welcome back to Season 6 of Horus Hour. I'm your host, Singh. With me, as always, is my venerable Sigilite Varela. Varela, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. Another Good. another great season waiting for us, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you to uh, everyone who t- on Twitter who played Rumor Engine with us. And I think, in, in hindsight, depending on if you... So I think some of the books were a little bit more divisive this time. Um, but I think it could well be a bangers-only season, even if they're not necessarily bangers-only books because of all the topics we cover. Uh, but before we get onto that, um, just a friendly reminder that you can follow us at Horace Hour Pod on Twitter. Hit the Twitter notifications so that you never miss an episode or a 2.0 conspiracy theory. Uh, watch us on YouTube, just at Horace Hour. And... Um, Make sure you put uh, hit the bell button there um, so that you never miss a video. Um, our last video is doing incredibly well, Varela, on 980 views. Damn, um, for real? Last time I yeah. checked, it was like 200. I know. Um, so thank you if you've been sharing it to your friends or whatever. Um, it, it's my first proper dabbling clickbait. So, But I mean, it's exaggeration. I don't think it's clickbait because I think that's what's happened. I think... Um, I mean, I mean, we haven't even talked on a podcast episode about LVO. We did a Patreon piss take, uh, sort of on LVO, mainly at the fact I, I got up at five in the morning to watch it. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that was what like maybe two weeks ago, and I've had like two coffees a day, so I've just about recovered. Um, yeah, so. Um, it's, it's interesting. I'm going to try and keep the 2.0 conspiracy theories to a minimum for now because we're not going to see anything this month apart from Ran and Zephon is my belief. Um, they're coming up for pre-order sort of middle to the end of the month. And then March, we'll get back on it, Varela. We'll get back on that hype train. Varela's going to be there for the next one, even if it is Adepticon is at 6am. I will be unconscious, though. He's going to be... Yeah, we'll have a sleep cam on Varela. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh we'll all be there um so you can also check out our discord in our pin tweet um where we just talk all sorts of stuff about the heresy um and mainly what the hell is going on with the miniature side of the hobby um so on that note shall i hit him with the lineup for this season brother if people haven't seen rumor engine let's go so as you have guessed from the title from this one we're starting really strong with i think a dark horse to be honest in the form of Praetorian of Dawn. Um, then we are going to be moving on. Now, I did have to change the order around a little bit. So that means that we are going to be going uh, with Outcast Dead as book number two. Um, and then, oh, then it's a banger. It's the master of mankind is in this season, guys. This is going to be insane. It's going to be insane. I'm really looking forward to your thoughts on that, Varela. And then we're going out and, you know, we, we're going to move away from Terra for a little bit and see what the Sons of Horus have been up to in Vengeful Spirit. Um, and I'm sure there'll be a few surprises and specials and maybe some short stories along the way, because I think we might be we might be getting a bit too good at this, Varela, and I think we might be going a little bit too fast. So we might we might need to pad out our seasons a little bit more, lest we uh, run out of novels to cover. Um, but yeah, are you excited for this season, Varela? Yeah, yeah. Are, are I, there I, any I... you're looking forward to in particular? I mean, no, not not necessarily. There isn't anything that like jumps out at me. You know what I'm saying? Or, like yeah. they, they all seem like they're 
are probably going to be good. <laughs> good, good, good. Um, so before we move on to um, what what we'll try and do, rather, is we'll try and do our own ratings for the for Praetorian of Dawn. But let's try and keep it spoiler free, and then we can move into the Thursday ratings. And we can talk and the spoiler zone, and we can talk. We can talk a little bit more openly there about what everyone thinks, rather than trying to keep stum the whole time while interacting with everyone who put a Thursday rating in. So, um, okay, why don't you okay. kick? Why don't you kick us off? And what did you think about this book? In terms of rating, I gotta give it like an eight. I think. Like I was really enjoying it up until the end hit, and I really didn't like the end. <laughs> Like, the very end, like, the last, like, ten phrases spoken in that book, right? Just hated it completely. Dropped dropped it by, like, 0.5, you know? Without that, without the um, epilogue, it would probably be an 8.5 or something. But with the epilogue, it's an 8, like, straight up. I don't like it. Okay. Um, what sort of... Um, is there any form, anything more you can elaborate on whilst keeping spoiler-free about what maybe sort of themes or sort of um, parts of the universe you particularly liked about the book that got it an eight? I mean, I really like how the main characters get really uncomfortable with what they're dealing with, you know? And, like, they, they you can see through the book that they, like, adapt to the situation mm. a little bit, even though they never really like what they're doing or are really fully comfortable with it, but they, like, start seeing stuff that they weren't seeing before you know yeah yeah so i really like this book um i'm a little bit biased because i'm going into um the imperial fists if we get ever get to 2.0 um but um yeah so i think i have a little bit of a bias i i read i listened to this a long time ago and I think I just coasted through it. And I think I, I slept on it a little bit because going back and listening to it again made me realize, appreciate a lot more about what is going on. And without getting into spoilers, this is um, sort of... It, it, it's obviously a story about Imperial Fist. So it's obviously set in on and around Earth for a lot of the... Or Terra for a lot of the, a lot of the story. And it is sort of... It's a good, I think the early stages of the book are really good at showing what the uh, the fists have been up to, uh, you know, <laughs> because then they've just been wall building for for what we've covered so far uh, and, and getting wrecked at Battle of Fowl in a really stupid way. Um, so I think John French did a really good job there um, looking at sort of the stresses and reasonings of, of Rogal Dawn as he sort of sits patiently and waits uh, for the incoming tide of traitors. Um, and then and then you go on a lot of different tangents through this book. Um, and there's some factions that, you know, you, you probably didn't expect to see so much of. Uh, and we can talk about that in the, in the spoiler section. I don't... I think with an Imperial Fist bias, I don't think it does enough to break into a nine for me. I'm going to give it an 8.68, um, I think is, I think is fair. Um, I do, re I do really, I did really enjoy it though. And, and obviously it is going up against, you know, 
a lot of other great books and you know bangers that we've that we've covered um but it'll be interesting we get into thursday ratings because opinions really vary um so on that note shall uh, can you move us into the spoilers section brother yeah sure <clears throat> spoilers you have been warned going forward okay so let's look at thursday ratings we'll start off with uh, by the blood of sanguinius he gives it an 8.5 out of 10 Good to see Dawn showing his skill and prowess rather than arguing with Malkador for a change. You realise just how much weight is on his shoulders. Love reading about the Alpha Legion and their, and their tactics, though they're not great in a fair throwdown. Stick to the shadows. Sunglasses emoji. Yeah, so in, in case you didn't know from the book cover, this is in fact not an Imperial Fist book. It is once again... <laughs> An Alpha Legion book, even more so than like Deliverance Lost. Are we called Deliverance Lost. An Alpha, Lost Alpha Legion, Legion book always has been. <laughs> yeah, um, I think yeah, I think this is this is a book of two sides, um, and the Alpha Legion actually, I think outside of Legion, I do think this is the best I've seen of them because they're not they're not this like incredibly effective. They, they have their flaws that Dawn is able to exploit because I do, they have been a bit, a bit Mary Sue so far in the sense that they, they just get away with everything because they're so smart and like nothing ever goes wrong, you know, apart until the custodian, it takes like custodies to stop the Alpha Legion is what we've had in the Horus Heresy so far, right? You know, with um, at the end of Deliverance uh, Lost and they just all shoot themselves rather than have a fight a custodian. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, it's people. People, I've seen the Thursday ratings. People are like this is, this is really bad because why have the Alpha Legion allowed themselves to be put in this position? Well, it's like well, they, you know, Dawn and the Imperial Fist spend this whole book learning about the Alpha Legion. They go and they find knowledge of the, to try and understand the Alpha Legion better, so that they can get the upper hand on them. And if they hadn't got the upper hand in this book, I'd be like, well, Thorne's a bit fucked, isn't he? When the rest of the traitors show up, if he can't even beat a small, a relatively small Alpha Legion incursion, how's he going to be able to deal with all these the Death Guard and the Iron Warriors and the Sons of... Or each who fight in their own way if he can't adapt? So it shows adaptability. Um, what did you think about the Alpha Legion? Uh, I mean, the one really critical... Uh, comment I saw on Twitter was saying that the Alpha Legion showed utter incompetence, but I don't think that's true at all. Like through the whole book, you can see that the Alpha Legion is like one step ahead of, um, of the, like detachment designed to like actually chase them down. I think it's just that Dorn was able to really predict like the end game and like, but, but in a way that's what Alpharius wanted, I think, because you know, there's that whole, thing at the end i won't go into it yet uh mm -hmm. and he's like already expecting him isn't it so so i think all in all it's not utter incompetence it's more like overconfidence but like the operation itself went very well all in all you know like mm -hmm. i f i think at the end of the day alferi like this was according to plan for alferi is except uh some uh, some skull splitting splitting moments, let's say. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's um. Yeah. It. 
Uh, I mean, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll, we'll get into it in due course. But I, yeah, I think it kind of like it. It ex, you know, ultimately the Alpha Legion are exposed and they pay a very high price, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But um, we'll move on to Nick now, who was woven as a eloquent tale. Um, so take a deep breath. The uh, so the quintessential Imperial Fist novel, but it's really the quintessential Alpha Legion novel. Our thoughts exactly, Nick. Um, headhunter sleeper agents buried on terror high ten- tension operatives and the dual heads of the hydra versus the defense sphere of the solar system and imperial fist lunar imperial fist sort of slash lunar gene cult te- kill team and the praetorian of terror an excellent mix of bolter action changing mission parameters and counterintelligence however my favorite parts of the novel were the personal flashbacks of arcamus and how he rose from an initiate to the master of the huskars he embodies the spirit of what it means to be an Imperial Fist. His story and that of his brothers illustrate how vital the Seventh Legion is to attaining a victory over Horus. They hold the line while other legions reap glory, taking the battle to the traitors. But without Dawn's sons, there is no chance for terror survival. I would be remiss if I didn't mention the multi-headed gorilla in the room, the apparent death of Alpharius, or was it Omegon? What did he want to share with Dawn before the killing blow landed? Words of loyalty, a truth, or a lie? 8.975 out of 10. I've been outdone. Love that decimal placage, Nick. Um, Yeah, I mean, Elephant in the Room is um, someone who was probably a Primarch of the Alpha Legion has has cacked it. And we'll talk talk more about that later, I think, and what the Alpha Legion, if if we think it was a trick or not. Um, uh, The Irregular says 8.75. Dawn's out of... 8.75 8.75 Dawns out of 10 Alpha races. Really good Alpha Legion book. Yeah, exactly. Um, jokes aside, I liked this book. Back to the Alpha Legion messing around. Adds a layer to the Imperial Fists and how deep the Alpha Legion sleeper cells go. That last chapter, though. Yeah, I mean, I think... I don't think the Alpha Legion come out of this book looking bad. I think Alpha Legion players are just salty that they took an owl. You know? Yeah, <laughs> In yeah. A nice way. Sure. In a nice way. Um... RJ says, um, if I just gave Angel Exterminatus an 8 out of 10, then I must give this one an 8.5 out of 10. Most of the series up until this point, Dawn was low on my list of loyal primates. Dower, angry, chastising Sigismund, etc. Then this book comes along, and it shows how much Dawn is the rock, holding everything together for the Big E. Weight of the galaxy on his shoulders, but still with some tricks up his sleeve. Alpha Legion plot is great, and ending is something out of Game of Thrones. Yeah, so um, I think um, I think for some context, I don't know if it's referenced again in Praetorian of Dawn. And I don't think I talked about it when we did the short, the not so short story episode about the Crimson Fist. But basically, in the Crimson Fist, um, there's quite a lot of dialogue between Sigismund and Dawn because Sigismund is told by Euphrates Keeler, um, what you know, way back in Flight of the Eisenstein. They're all, yeah, yeah, everyone's yeah. on the phalanx. Have you, do you know what I'm about to say? Uh, I, I think so, yeah. That, that basically, Euphrates Keeler tells Sigismund not to go on the fleet that will inevitably fight the Battle of Fowl because he will die. Um, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. And basically, he speaks to, in, in Crimson uh, Fist, he admits that to Dawn, that this saint has told him to stay and that's why he wanted to stay. Because initially, Dawn was just like, yeah, whatever, I trust you. You don't. You don't have to go. What, um, I forget what's his. What is his name? Um, you messaged me about him. The I mean, character. 
Uh, Ianad? Alexis Pollux? Um, the guy yeah. who was in charge before Alexis Pollux. Uh, it's Ianad then. Uh, Fianad, for... yeah. So Fianad would have been Fianad is basically dies without the the no. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, Alexis Pollux's boss dies <laughs> in that big ruin storm, and that would have been Sigismund. So, but Dawn trusts him, and then when he reveals to Dawn why he's not gone, Dawn basically full on disowns him, and that's why he's out in the he's out with uh, Fafnir Ran. We get we get exposed to Fafnir Ran, who's a model that's about to come out. Um, and we get him and Fafni Ran kicking it all the way out at the first sphere of defense by Pluto. Um, Fafni Ran, the resident space wolf. Uh, I, I mean, uh, assault specialist, right? Yeah, get all those Fenrisian tears in my mug, man. Drink them up. <laughs> you know, just mad. Just mad that your Praetor models look like something out of the 1980s. Um, anyway, here we, here we go. Now we're going to get a little bit juicy with our Thursday ratings. Uh, Chaz has gone skiing. Gives it a four. Dawn outwitting Alpharius at asymmetric warfare is annoying. Alpharius really can't do anything competently. The plot boils down to Dawn hiding the phalanx and smashing the Alpha Legion once they arrive. Um, I think, so to sum it up, um, I think I replied with, sounds like someone's an Alpha Legion fan. (laughs) And he said, oh yeah. And he has an Alpha Legion Chaos Space Marine warband. And his head cannon is they cease to obey Legion command post Pluto on grounds of utter incompetence. Uh, I mean, it's I I don't know Alpharius. It's it's a weird one, isn't it? I don't, but I don't. I didn't get the feeling that the Alpha Legion were dumb coming out of it. It was like, how else was Dawn gonna stop them? Because like, you know, I don't. I don't think there was any other way that Dawn was gonna be able to outdo these guys well, you, you want you know you want him to just try and brute force the alpha legion which is exactly what they want you know it's not um it's not necessarily going to work out to, to be fair i did say i didn't think the alpha legion was incompetent but then again i i, I remember sending you a message while i was reading that that literally read something like alpharius don't over uh, don't underestimate dorn he's no fool also alpharius underestimates dorn immediately <laughs> Something like yeah, that. I mean, we, we have no idea. We have no idea who Dawn killed at the end of the day. It might just be a regular Astartes in, in high heels, you know? <laughs> Damn, that's a fast Astartes, though. Yeah, well, if you got if you want everyone to be like your Primark, you got to train. you got to train hard, you know? Anyway, moving on. Um, Count Elmdor gives it 10 out of 10 would infiltrate again. Very true. There is a lot of sneak. Uh, and Darian Paints says, I really wanted to like this book so much, but for, sorry, I really want to like this book so much, but for some reason I couldn't. It's one of my least favorite and I love the Alpha Legion. I think I give it a six. That's a very generous least favorite book rating, to be fair, to give it a six. I'm, you know, at the end of the day, each to their own. The, you know, there's some books, there's some books that we, I just will not cover on the show because they would get like a three. <laughs> <laughs> So, and you know, I don't want to be like, that's not, that's not what I want the, uh, the pod to be about. So, um, that's, that's fair. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, if you, if you like the Alpha Legion and, you know, like them being incredibly successful and escaping everything, then you're not going to like this book. It's that simple because in the end they get caught out. But, um, I mean, I think that's, we didn't get any on Discord, did we? 
We've had no. an, easy, an easy job once again. But I think the sort of limited amount of Thursday ratings sort of, in a way, shows that this, this has flown under the radar a little bit, I think, as a book. If you're like reading, if you're not a completionist who's reading by release and you're just reading books you want to read, I don't think Praetorian of Dawn strikes out to many people except people who like Imperial Fist. Um, but I'm I'm glad we're cover- I'm glad I read it and I'm glad we're covering it because there's a lot more to it. Um, so how would you like to go through it, Brella? Would you like to do the Angel Exterminatus method where we sort of look at each character and faction and throughout the book or play by play? Oh yeah, there's a there's a few threads to follow, you know. So we could do, we could do by by character or group of characters, I guess, uh, depending on what you prefer. Okay, so he doesn't have a massive role throughout the book. He appears, and and he obviously has a big part to play at the end. But let's talk about the book's namesake. Let's talk about Dawn. I really liked how he was written, and. I've read a lot of Rogel Dawn. I really like John French's uh, short stories. So I've read a lot of them, you know, before we even did the pod. So Crimson Fist, uh, The Lightning Tower and stuff. And so you get, I've got a real sense of who he is. And I think this is the best he's been written. He's very, he's got, he's got a big burden on his shoulders at the end of the day. He's, he's faced, he's sort of got this continual dilemma, hasn't he? Because all the other Loyalist Legions are out, out of the soul system, out there fighting, dying, losing um, to Horus and his forces. And Dawn's job is to wait. And he will wait because that's, that's, that's what he's been told to do. Well, he's been told to pre- defend the Imperial Palace. Um, and if you told Lehman Russ to do that, he would say, well, the best way for me to defend it is go out there, find Horus, board his ship and shoot him, in, <laughs> shoot him in the face. Um, and then repeat, you know, rinse and repeat for every Primarch. Um, so Dawn, through this book, is having to weigh up what is the best thing to do and how how to approach stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's been essentially trying to defend, like, the... Uh, not just the solar system, but the solar sector, right? Yeah. And then he, he just keeps hearing, like, planets, like, wink out yeah um of comms and it, it, you can see that he like that it, it, like he eventually realizes that something isn't right about all of that right but like he, you can see at least in the beginning i think that he really goes like oh okay that's that's a really big problem we might have to like do something about it what is sorry what is that you can run a spoiler section so uh l- um so, so like you know when phaeton like sends a distress signal and then just goes quiet. Like, okay. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I feel like they, they, he didn't really know what was going on at that point, and he, I feel like he really thought, oh, if I strike out and get Phaeton back, because it's, like, a major Forge world and whatnot, right? Mm. Like, maybe I can get some advantage, and then only a bit later, when he realizes, oh, okay, this is probably a ploy to get me out of here, do you start noticing that maybe he's not that committed to moving into Phaeton? You know? Oh, is like, that the... Um, just to confirm, because I, I... That's... Is that who he's mobilizing everyone for? He has, he like he calls a load of 
people from one of the defense rings, doesn't he? he basically, like takes half of them. Is that he's going to send them to Phaeton? Is that right? He takes half of all of the circles to. Yeah, I think yeah. it's Phaeton specifically, and I think there was a second or a third target. Like I think there were at most three targets. I only remember Phaeton though, because that's the one that keeps I always switch referred. off a little bit about where they're going because I always assume it's going to be Beta Garmin, which is this. Um, which we will cover at some point. You'll you'll like it as well because it, it's covered. It's basically the it's basically the last massive battle before Terra. It's like the it's like I think it's like the planet before the Soul set. You know, before Soul system basically. Alpha Centauri. <laughs> and so, um, but the book you'll be delighted to hear is called Titan Death, and Beta Garmin is basically primarily covered through the perspective of Titan crew in that book so that should be oh, good. No. I've, I've never covered that one. i've never had that one <laughs> the, the name the name is not a good sign titan death well someone's titans are dying maybe everyone's who knows i haven't i haven't read it i'm quite looking forward to it to be honest but yeah and and you also see in the soul sector um it's not it's not just this um silence for seven years and then suddenly all the traitors are going to arrive in the final six months is it it's um it, it's like they talk about how basically daily crazy psycho cultist ships and roving astartes warbands will just break into the soul system ad hoc one ship at two ships at a time and just try and throw themselves at the defenders so basically these outer picket lines are just sort of constantly under pressure um, which I find really interesting. We get a really good look at what I think John really took the opportunity. He said, right, I want to show what Rokal Dawn's been doing for however many years uh, at this point. Is it five years into the... Uh, I think it's four because at the okay. end we get a little surprise visit from someone, don't we? Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so... Um... So there's not too much to say about Dawn. And I mean, without... Is there anything before the end that you want to touch on? Uh, about Dawn? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay, well, let's talk about the end, uh, like the, that, the boss fight a little bit while we're covering Dawn. Because it's basically the main thing he does in the book. I think this surely makes Dawn... Unless my head is failing me. Dawn in the heresy is the only loyalist primarch to get a primarch kill yes yeah i think so yeah i don't think anyone I think so. else I, I can't remember another one i think a lot of a lot of, there will be times i think going forward where loyalist primarchs will beat up traitor primarchs but getting the kill a lot of them have to make it past the heresy unfortunately so but dawn gets gets half of the of the hydra um which i thought was ace it was ace um he really he really showed what he was all about in combat as well um which i really appreciated do you think yeah, he... I, oh, sorry go on. I, I think the funniest part about all of it is that he actually wins the uh the fight through um well a kind of subterfuge oh, okay. <laughs> you know like because he, he he does a feint yeah, and and let's uh let's Alpharius stick him essentially. Yeah, that I, yeah, I, I find yeah. that really funny. Like it's a no you right at the end. You've got to if you're trying to trick Duke out and Alpharius, you have to 
you have to commit to it, don't you? You can't. You if if Eve sent if Alfari sensed for a moment that Dawn wasn't gonna was gonna use a prop use a feint, he wouldn't he wouldn't commit. But he's he, Dawn leaves himself so just exposed enough that Alfarius is gonna stick him, um, and that gives that gives Dawn the time to, uh, yeah, and uh, I mean I'm looking at the book's cover, it's it's unofficial canon, but Dawn should have facial hair. I feel like he does. It mentions he has facial hair in the book. I swear it mentions he has a beard. I, I don't think so, does it? Anyway. I, I remember someone gets mentioned has having a beard, but okay. I don't think it's Storm. Maybe it's Arcamus. Uh, um, but yeah, a lot of people green stuff on a, um, like mutton chops and a handle and a, and a mustache for Dawn, which I think... That should be. As it should be. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think that's a fair coverage of Dawn. Um, the, the lone Primarch now. The, the sort of holding the line. And as we, as you know, and the thing is, as we, as we will see in Master of Mankind, he's not, he's got a lot of internal issues going on as well. There is not, is not simply waiting for the traitors to arrive. They are, they are already there. Um, but that is a story for another time. Um, They're spoiling the spoiler section. Ah. Yeah, exactly. Um, also, his analysis. When he's when because because you spend a lot of time trying to figure out who's actually attacking them I, at the start of a book because it's like oh my god everyone's like is this it is this the is it holy shit is it going down because all the alarms are going off it's like the Michael Scott from the Office meme is like oh my god it's happening oh my it's god <laughs> you know um, but Dawn he's too clever for that and he's like and he's also him and the Huskars just tearing throughout the Legionnaires in the Imperial Palace. Um, you know, and it's like one of the Alpha Legionnaires is literally like, if I cock my gun and aim it and try and fire it at him, he's going to kill me before I my bolt round even impacts him. Or you know? is it an Alpha Legionnaire? <sighs> bum, bum, bum. We, we can't play this game. Is this even a book? Who knows? <laughs> is anyone seen... I think a lot of people. I was going to say, has anyone seen John French in the flesh? But I guess that's pre, that's that's post pandemic thinking. That's a little bit too meta. That's a little bit too meta. I think he was, he's been seen plenty before the pandemic and we got into all of this. Um, okay. I chose first. So we've, we've looked at Dawn. Where do you, which group would you like to look at next? I think we got to look at uh, the Alpha Legion cell, like the main one. Okay. The, the one. Uh, Oh, Folk dude, that... Run. Yeah, yeah, Fokron and, like, the... I, I remember the human operatives better than I remember the Alpha Legion operatives, which is probably a good thing well, in, yeah. in terms of the book quality, you know? It's something that um the Alpha Legion even talk about, which I thought was great dialogue, which was, like, do not wish we had an identity, <laughs> you know? Because it's, like, they, they are... They're, they're sneaky. That's all they've got going for them. Because everyone is made to look like the Primarchs, who are people and who are two beings, but do not give anything away and basically have no personality. Two beings? What? Hold up. Wait, Wait a minute. Alfarius is right. Drake. But um, the uh, yeah, you know, I, I don't know if that that conversation piece between um, who was it, Fokron and uh, let's say Salonius. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, have 
I don't know if that stood out for you when we when you were reading it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like uh, when he walks out of the uh, when quote unquote Salonius walks out of the uh, little containment cube they were in, uh, some SCP cell stuff, and Fokron follows him, and they're just staring into the stars, having a philosophical discussion about the Legion. Exactly. That's the one you mean, right? Yeah. 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 Um, it is cool because you do wonder, like in private, do Alpha Legionnaires be like, "Damn, I really wish I went somewhere else." Look at those white scars, man. Damn, no, screw this Alpharius guy. What the heck? Khan would never bury me underground for a decade. <laughs> um, yeah, so we, we get the um, we get the introduction of his Alpha Legion style, which is really is really cool. I do like the idea that you know um, Alpharius is so prepared for every eventuality that he's had operatives on Terra for a, a long before he's ever needed them or ever knew he needed them you know can you imagine if a great crusade yeah. ended and it's just like you know dawn's walking through like the grounds of the imperial palace and he just sees alfarius with a shovel because everything's rosy so he's like what are you doing alfarius he's like ah nothing he's just dragging <laughs> dragging cryo tubes out the ground <laughs> imagine they they won a clean war and then dorn goes up to the emperor and the emperor just turns to him and says i am alfarius (laughs) is that too meta too much too much man too much oh that would be so funny though (laughs) i bet the about the alpha legion would love to have the emperor's ability to look however they need to look to succeed you know like how depending on who the emperor's speaking to he looks like a different being like an old man or a um, you know, a simple turn or, you know, or a 20 foot tall golden beam, you know, it's, uh, Malkador's assassins be like, exactly. So the alpha legion, the alpha legion, um, who was your favorite of the, uh, sort of alpha legion group? Uh, definitely Ms. Madra, like, uh, the, the woman that moves, like she's a Primarch essentially. She's like super fast and like she's got super reactions and then she's got a volkite charger that just burns through everything it's really cool yeah volkites are um at least they were something that was almost solely used on the tabletop in horror heresy but then they ported over a lot of the rules for, for 30k stuff to 40k and for a long time the space marine meta has been to have a contempt of dreadnought with two volkites blasters as for arms Damn. and it's like insane because the volkite's like it's like a plasma pistol that doesn't that works overheat. properly yeah it doesn't <laughs> overheat and it fires a lot quicker so it's just like if you want it to and basically burns through everything so it's insane isn't, isn't there a really big point of contention in the recent lore that like Volkites are meant to be super rare and stuff, but somehow one of those new Primaris chapters got all Volkites? Oh, it's like um no, they've sort of like reinvented them now. So I like there's like Primaris Lieutenants. The Primaris Lieutenant from Indomitus has one, for example, as a pistol. Okay. So so yeah, no, they've sort of like made a new variant. It's not this. It's not be the same, but it's like it's just like a bigger one for a Primaris, bigger and better. As with everything that is Primaris, until 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 two point comes out, now change everything. Firstborn's <laughs> back on the menu, boys. Um, 
Yeah, so why, why don't you tell me what else you liked about the Alpha Legion and their story? What were some of your highlights? Uh, definitely, like, you know how um, the Psyker eventually betrays the Alpha Legion cell? Yeah. I think that was, like, on purpose. I think that was part of the mission. Because, like, there, there's this whole point in the um, in the kerfuffle where he, uh, where he betrays them, where Miss Madara has, like, an absolutely clean shot on the guy. But she misses. Like, she kills the um, the Dowager son. But she misses... Um, oh, what was his name? Incarnus. That's his name. Yeah. And, uh, like, I found that really suspicious at the time. I was like, hmm, hold up. She's been sniping people from across the, the mountain ranges. What the heck's going on here, you know? Like, it, 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 yeah, at the end, I feel like... Um, him being captured by the Imperial Fist was a planned thing, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's well, the that's the problem, isn't it? Everyone's on their own parameters. Yeah. But yeah, all, all of that kind of thing. Uh, and, like, even before all of that, like, before they dug up the uh, the Astartes, when they're, uh, when they're moving along with that sca- uh, scavenger group, I almost said scav. I, <laughs> I like Tarkov too much. <laughs> Uh, yeah, when they're moving with that scavenger group, and then they go like, yo, what the heck's in the containers, man? I'm finna shoot you. And they go like, no you. And just, they just destroy everybody. Exactly. And just open the containers just so when Astartes goes like, well done. Yeah, it's, um, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot going on. This book definitely almost scales, I feel like, towards the end. Like, the, the sort of stakes and interactions. Yeah, like, it builds up, it builds up. It's, yeah, it has a very late sort of climax. Um, but um, what did you think of uh, the Silonius debacle? Uh, what do you mean? Like the uh, the whole psychic reconstruction thing? Yeah. Well, I think he was Alpharius or Omegon the whole time. Like in a lot of, um, a lot of the book points to that because if, if you pay attention to like the details he keeps on doing stuff that a normal Astartes shouldn't be able to do like he keeps uh, one of the things that's most used to describe Primarchs is like uh, stuff moving as a blur when they're holding it right yeah and Silonius has a lot of those moments like oh the, the other Astartes didn't even have time to see him pull out his bolter and shoot him in the face you know that kind of thing uh and, you know, I didn't really suspect it. I wasn't thinking about it. I was just like, oh, this is just, like, the top-tier Astartes, I guess. This guy's just, like, super yeah. good. But then a- as it builds up, and then as you figure out what the Psychic Reconstruction actually did, uh, which in my case wasn't until they explicitly told me <laughs> what the Psychic Reconstruction actually yeah. did, because uh, I'm an idiot. Uh, like, you, you can definitely put together the pieces and go, like, okay, this isn't a normal Astartes. This is, like, this is probably Omegon or Alpharius um, my, trying to my, act as an Astartes. My question to that is, who are then the two individuals meeting the Cabal who make the decision to turn? Because, like, or do you think... Because, like... Ha- how long? How long does it say Silonius is meant to have been buried there? Do you bury someone? It, it was like a year. Do you reckon? Be very weird, wouldn't it? Be very weird. 
I mean, they, they literally did the uh, journey to Seoul on Sublight, so it doesn't it doesn't really not make sense. Yeah, I think they know? do say as well they expended a lot of assets to make it happen. Yeah. Um, so yeah, okay, fair fair enough. And that's why he doesn't try and take out Dawn. You'd think maybe if it was a normal Alpha Legionnaire, they would uphold the mission over anything else and try and take Dawn out. Even if it meant they were probably going to die, whereas one of the Primarchs will be more free thinking and will say, "No, probably not a good idea." Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Now, then, in that sense, who do you think Dawn killed? I, I think it was Alpharius, and I, I think you know how. Hey, I'm confused. Yeah. Okay. What? Why are you confused? Now I'm confused that you're confused. <laughs> I've, yeah, I've, I've got mixed up here. So Silonius... But where does the Alpharius that Dawn killed come from? He comes He's from... Sil- Silonius all, all along. Oh, okay. Okay. Because okay, then you even get a a, um, a small uh, little scene where you can see that Silonius is actually the one leading the Alpha, and you got Ingus Peck and the uh, the other guy, but I don't remember his name, uh, beside him, going like, pouting essentially, going like, uh, what, "What is your will, Silonius?" Uh, like oh, they, they thought they'd be they'd be in charge, you know? Yeah. Uh, and not not just that, but when the psychic reconstruction, when he finally regains full conscious of it, you can see that the psychers that were there. Um, actually start turning towards Alpharius and doing stuff to Alpharius instead of Silonius. Um, okay. So yeah, the psychic reconstruction was essentially just all of Silonius's memories and stuff were implanted into Alpharius and then they just made Alpharius forget everything. Yeah. Which is really impressive out of two psychers, by the way. Like, actually med- meddling with a Primarch's mind like that? Like, holy shit. Well, I know he's sneaky, but I don't think Alpharius as much going on up there personality wise does he no so. but it doesn't it doesn't matter because like uh even dorn right D- dorn doesn't have much in terms of psychic powers right but yeah. like um every time a psyker in this book comes up to him they always go like oh i can't actually look into his head yeah. like i i can see like some surface emotions but i can't look empath. into it <laughs> I'm an empath. I can see his face. He seems angry. God damn it! <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like it's like they all have a like built-in shield, you know. But yeah. like these guys just managed to go into Alpharius, just like full on, and just destroy his entire mind completely, kind yeah. of, you know. Which is really if impressive. You in, if you let him in, maybe maybe Alpharius had opened up. Right, but who knows anymore? Because because if we ever if we ever get lost for space between Siege of Terror books, once we get down that road, um, we'll we'll maybe do the Primarch books, and the Alpha Legion one is supposed to blow your mind. So uh, the Alpharius <laughs> Primarch book, you know, I can only imagine what's going to go on in that. So who knows what's happened here? That you know, the Imperial records and the propaganda will show. You know. That's something I'm kind of interested in. Like, do you know, is this like, does Dawn do an Obama and like have a press conference and be like, in the early hours of last night, I killed off, I killed Alpharius. Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. him. (laughs) Exactly. Like, I wonder if that happens. Like, 
what do the imperial pop what does like the average imperial populace know about the 18 primarchs like i assume they know that there are 18 sons right but they probably have no idea what each person is like yeah like, uh, i got know, like oh the alpha legion are covert specialists but they, they probably space. yeah they probably just have like their like images of them you know like because those would be widely dispersed because yeah, uh, like artwork yeah yeah artwork and stuff. some fa- some fan art <laughs> Yeah, red bubble T-shirts as well. <laughs> on everyone's face. Um, that's true. That's true. And they and they Malkador and Dawn really want to keep the Alpha Legion's involvement under wraps from the populace. Yeah, Loki. Also, that's also interesting because that maybe suggests that there is connotations that if people found out it was the Alpha Legion, they would freak out more. Or maybe they're just trying to hide out that there was an attack at all. I don't like, think they'd freak out more. I think it's more like the commanders and stuff would go like, oh shit, Ooh, what do we do? Like, are, are we infiltrated? Are there Alpha Legionnaire uh, uh, operatives? They just start shooting each other in the back of the head. Yeah. <laughs> I never liked that guy. He's definitely an Alpha Legionnaire. <laughs> yeah. Pulls out bolt pistol. Yeah. That's how the commissar started. That's <laughs> it's to prevent Alpharius's. That's why you're not allowed to be bold in the Imperial Guard. <laughs> the spy's a spy that's like yeah that's kind of like that's kind of like what it would be like like the tf2 cutscene you ever seen those of team fortress cutscenes of the spy uh, when they're all trying to figure it out and it's like the good yeah. spy is like it could be in this room it could be me it could be you and he just <laughs> the commissar just shoots, <laughs> just just shoots him yeah but instead instead of Instead of the enemy spy coming from behind and taking everyone out, it is in fact that everyone was the enemy spy. Everyone just turns into <laughs> enemy spies. That's basically how it would work. Um, yeah, I mean, so is there anything more you want to talk about, Ms. Ms. Mandra and, and that group, or do should we move? Should we try and move on a little bit? Uh, yeah, I, I guess we can move on. Like, there isn't much else to be talked about. Oh, I, I guess I guess Salonius once again doing some crazy shit in like that sphere in the middle of nowhere kind of indicates that he was not a regular Astartes because he just finds a shield wall, he just completely breaks it apart, kills everybody, and then Miss Mother is just like, "What the fuck are you? What yeah. what what in the what the heck? You're no you're no Astartes. What?" Yeah, it's um it's interesting. I think um. I'm trying to remember. I think Crimson Fist has some really good like um, descriptions of how into you know like boarding actions and shield walls work. I think one of the books coming up. I don't want to give it away too much, but there's one of the books in the Imperial Secundus arc has probably my favorite sequence of like void combat. Um, it's like uh, more more like boarding action rather than actual ship to ship fighting. Um I think it actually has two moments where it's very cool. So um we'll have to uh look forward to that. But I'm not gonna tell you. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spoil spoil the spoiler section, you know? I I uh, don't wanna give anything away. Um should we move on to Arcamus and Company then? Yes. What yes, did you make the, of the good boys? Arcamus <laughs> Arcamus the first. Arcamus the second. Oh yeah, my bad. 
<laughs> There's a lot of them. There's too many. Uh, I thought Arcamus was a great character. Honestly, I I love I love Arcamus. Like, if Arcamus had more screen time, I think Arcamus could reach Yesuge's level of awesome. That's how Arcamus Arcamus is. <laughs> yeah, he's just that cool. <laughs> we get some great. Um... Now, here's something is um, in 40k lore pretty consistently, right? The Ultramarines and the Imperial Fists are both renowned for how difficult their selection process is. And we do get to see that here. They have a very difficult... I think in, um, in 40k, it's because they're more exposure-based kind of like the space wolves. So they're kind of like thrown out into like the, an ice planet and I've got to make it like another continent basically on their own. Um, and it can be quite tough, but it, you know, we see our come right up through the ranks in this book through sort of splintered throughout. Um, yeah. Was this your favorite arc? I think it's, I think Dawn, the smatterings of Dawn we got is my overall favorite arc just cause I, I love to see it getting inside the Primarch's head and, getting an because uh, he was more big picture in this book but um what was did you what did you make of the sort of arcamus through the through the ages whenever whenever i saw arcamus pop up i just you know that meme of critical just going like yeah baby that's what i'm gonna be for that's what it's all yeah. about whoa that was literally me <laughs> whenever i read arcamus yeah. it was so good i actually just love him like um just the way that he, you know, even with Andromeda, right? Andromeda 17, she's like, you're all a bunch of idiots. Fucking yeah. bunch of muscles, nothing else. And Narcamus is just like, okay, guess you're going to be curious the rest of your life. You'll never know what happened. And she's like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's exactly. Like, it's such a great, like, a great bunch of moments where Arcamus is like, is his exterior, like, just the fact that he's a banana boy, right? kind of shows that he's, like, really unsubtle, that he's really direct. But then the, the capability he has to actually be subtle and to actually, like, do stuff, um, like, manipulate people or, you know, be one step ahead of... Uh, he never got one step ahead of the Alpha Legion, but, like, he almost did a couple of times, you know? He's, like, a polar... Within the context of Imperial Fist, he's, like, a polar opposite to Pollux. He's yeah. a guy who, who knows his limitations, knows his legion's limitations, and also knows like when to back down and when to exploit a situation. Whereas like He also knows that he can wait a few more minutes if Dorn calls him back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just like, like what's that dot you're breaking up? I got it. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, back to back to go to kill pitcher up. Yeah, I, I'll say that if Arcamus had been running the show up foul, it would have been over in the first half an hour. I reckon. Yeah, Ionado yeah. uh, or Arcamus and at foul, and it would just be a decisive victory straight up. Yeah, yeah. So sorry, Alexis, which is shock. Um, yeah. So we get we get Arcamus as like a kid on Inwit, talking big smack to Dawn. <laughs> got some balls on this kid. Um, which obviously brings him to his Arcamus, what do you mean? It's Kai. Kai. Kai Kai and then and then we get Kai going through and doing the whole um chained to 
fellow aspirants fighting in cage in cages don't we it's all and it, you know it shows that the loyalists are not you know there's a misconception sort of that you that any most people inevitably get through reading the Horace Heresy that um, the bad guys become very bad at the start of a heresy and, and stay bad um, and the good guys become inherently very good and perfect because they're the loyal devil. but it's like no Every, before this heresy, everyone was on a xenophobic, genocidal crusade to retake the galaxy. Righteous xenophobic, genocidal crusade. Killed anyone that didn't agree or didn't, you know, look the part for the Imperium's vision. Um, so it's like there, there are no, there are no good guys. This yeah, is all varying degrees of bad guys. Even then, like, um, well, I gotta go back to Scars, man. Like, y- you can see how. Um, even the loyalist legions are like losing it. They're they're becoming more violent. Like trying to, like you, you get Yesugate literally torturing a uh, word bearer. Yeah, that's what and then he goes about. like, "What what what have I become?" You know that yeah. kind of thing. And that's like probably happening all across the legions, with maybe the exception of the uh, Imperial Fist, because they haven't really been that involved, I guess. Uh, um, but yeah, that's right. Yeah. But the Imperial Fist, and, and, and again, why the Arcamus arc is so good, um, and I'm just mentioning it because it happens earlier on in Arcamus's arc, in present-day Arcamus's arc, is we get to see a lot of like all the other, not a lot, but we get to see some new factions that we'd, we'd never explored before. So the Lunar Gene Labs, which we... When we were on Lunar for Flight of the Eisenstein, weren't we? Was that with the yeah, Sisters of Silence? Yeah, yeah, they were in the Sisters of Silence... Fortress. And then this is the other main lunar installation. Um, and it's written in the law that the Imperial Fists were the ones who were part of a big assault on Luna. So there's a lot of animosity initially because the you know the Imperial Fists of a Legion that came and really messed messed that little moon up and then uh, basically broke the will of these gene labs into making these studies. And we get we get some really inter- other interesting points. It's kind of like um, the legions that took help take Luna have gone on to be sort of like the golden boys of the Astartes, the you know the fists, the Blood Angels, and the Ultramarines, which I thought yeah. was really interesting. Because um, they basically got like the cream of a crop, didn't they? Oh, dude! Speaking of uh, Luna and stuff, like honestly, one of my favorite scenes, apart from everything that both Arcamas and Andromeda are in. Has to be when uh, Arcamas and Kestris come up to the um, oh what was their name? It was like the the chief of the Gene Cult. I don't remember. I don't remember her name. It was like Selenar something, because I think Selenar is the name of the Gene Cult. Anyways, doesn't right. matter. Like, um, and she she goes like, I don't care. You can kill me right now. And then Arcamas is like, bet. And she's like, wait, no. <laughs> That, that whole thing, like, it really shows the dynamic of, uh, like, the gene cults, I guess. Because, like, the gene cults are, like, dying out for the most part. Mainly the Selenar one. Um, and they're, like, they, on the exterior, they're, like, we don't care. Like, we serve the Imperium. But, like, on the interior, they're, like, man, this this golden boy comes in here, kills us slowly, and then we gotta just submit. What the heck? Nah, 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 nah. We coming back. You know? Yeah. Uh... And this is right next to the uh, the homeworld of the Imperium. 
so, so it's like this whole thing where um, I don't know why they didn't turn, essentially, is what I can say. You know? Because like, it's obvious they don't like the Imperium. Maybe they're just waiting for an opportunity to strike. And maybe in a later book they do. But, like, for the most part, they, they should be traitors, you know? And they're not. And I've I find that weird, and I guess it's just for because of that need for survival that they have, because they yeah, f- they feel like oh if we rebel then Terra's just gonna shoot us, you know. Yeah, it's like because it's like they get to Luna and it's like Gene Labs, you're gonna follow the Imperial truth. He's not a god, and you're officially annexed. You're not. You, you get to keep your facilities, but you're not your own thing anymore. Mars, yeah, of course the Emperor is the Omnissiah, mate. Oh, you can keep all your <laughs> banners and all your titles and be your own faction as long as you help us out. Do what you like, and then you know these gene labs are. Am I a joke to you? Well, <laughs> you know, to be it's... fair, the the Selenar did ke- keep their identity and titles and stuff. It's just that since they're yeah. so so much smaller, all they did was like, yo, you're gonna help us mass produce Astartes, and they're like, well, do we have to? Yeah, okay, bet. <laughs> and it's yeah. like there's such a smaller force I guess that they don't but she, they, I think she, even she says she's kind of pissed that they don't get the deal that the Mechanicum got yeah um, yeah yeah it's a, it's a tough one for them um yeah so you know we, we have we have that we have that going on with Arcamus and we have him turning from Kai into Arcamus which I thought was very cool very stoic it was almost like this sort of moment of um resistance in front of Dawn where he's like, you know, I'm not going to be called Kai anymore. I'm going to be Arcamus. Um, however you want to say it. So and... it's, a, it's an homage to his friend. Because uh, that I, I, it's so tragic, man. This guy. Where did he come from? <laughs> Which guy? You know? Arcamus. Ar- Arcamus. No, the second. Where did he come from? Where did you he know? go? I'd never heard of this guy before. Like, literally never read a single word about this guy. And then all out of nowhere, he's like my second or third favorite character in the entire in the oh, entirety cool. of uh, 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 the Horus Heresy. Like, bro, th- this man just comes in, has the most tragic backstory, and just goes like, well, screw it. I'm going to be a badass anyways, you know? And then yeah. he's, he's just a badass and something that he's never even done. And it's like, he, he 1v1's a Primarch. Gets lethally or mortally or whatever, whatever Not you want to call yeah. it, wounded, and then still jumps in to try and parry a blow that's meant for his primarch, and he actually connects with the spear. It's like, bro, what? Yeah. <laughs> what is this guy made of? He's such a good character. I love him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, it's it's interesting, but. Uh... But also, doesn't it say? Doesn't Dawn say that Arcamus fails him in the end? No, he says that he fails Dorn. Dorn. Uh, but Dorn is just like, no, you have not failed me. Okay, fair enough. Um, but I mean, also, just like a bit of a you know, John French casually chucks in an orc invasion and Imperial fist fighting orcs in the Great Crusade. And I was like, what? True. That was pretty. That was a nice little tangent to run on and sort of see uh, how the Imperial fist fight. And I'm not sure, you know, I'm not quite sure how the mix works because this is obviously, I don't, this doesn't quite weigh up with necessarily what's in the black books. So the Imperial Fists 
what off the basically in, in what the black books are, which is sort of like a lot more of a sort of militaristic law of a great crusade and the heresy, the imperial fists, once they find Dawn, are primarily used as um, void action. So boarding enemy ships and fleet warfare become very, very good at that, which is why at foul, even over a Primarch's leading the opposing side, they do quite well um, until the telephone rings. But um, they're, they're, they're also basically sort of kept as like this um, weighted reserve so that when they encounter, when legions encounter worlds that, that, are, that become a very big engagement and become a large scale event, the fists is sort of this roaming reserve will be deployed there to turn the tide and get, and that's why, and that's why if you look at like angel exterminatus, they get a lot of applaudits because they are basically like, there's already a legion. there doing a lot of the legwork and keeping everything in place. And then the fists come in and just win it for them um, through that use of sort of applied reserve force. Um, but I'm not sure when they turn into like fortification experts. I was kind of under the impression a little bit through the black books, but it was because they spent seven years building these things, building fortifications on terror uh, and Rogel Dawn sort of having a natural um, affinity for architecture. That was what made, that's what turned them into these master fortifications. But that, it's kind of implied that in a great crusade, they're already fortification yeah. experts. I think those reserve forces that you were talking about are then left on the planets to garrison them. Yeah, that's you know? true. That might be where what happens, and they because okay, that's of... yeah, that's what happens with um with the orc invasion. It's actually just the garrison of imperial fists, and they're yeah. like already building some fortifications and whatnot. Then all out of nowhere, it starts raining big green rocks. <laughs> you yeah. know, um, yeah, that was yeah, that was a really cool. And I'm telling, they just orcs are just better in thirty k. I know people disagree with me. But the way they're portrayed properly. Now, I think like maybe like Hell's Reach breaks that, but like Hammer and Bolter's first episode was just like a comedy act about orcs and um, just being completely excessive. Whereas like in this engagement, this great crusade battle, it is like fighting a tide of, and you know, he's talking about how he's basically getting. When, he, when it initially kicks off and he's running back to the wall, these orcs are literally just wall of them, just lumbering, sort of jump striding across the dead ground towards him. Um, and I just, I, they just, the orcs have been given a license in 30k clearly to be very s scary and very high threat, which they just, I just don't get the feeling of in 40k because they're used as the settings comic relief, which I understand because 40k is is aiming for a different entry audience primarily of, of younger players but um but yeah i'll say it i'll say I, it i think there i think there is a reason in lore and i think we've already talked about this but but yeah go on i'll, I'll no no I'll, that was all, that was that was the end of my point oh okay but yeah I, I think there's actually like reasons in lore because supposedly the bigger a war band gets like the more intelligent more sophisticated and bigger they become right and like essentially what happened is in 30k mainly in the Great Crusade, like, all of the main orc empires got destroyed. Okay. And, you know, like, Eldar keep hunting orcs. There's a bunch of other forces that hunt orcs. Like, I think by 40k, the remains of the old orc empires are just these splintered things that, like, form was every uh, once in a while have, like, small them. empires. Less yeah, and so... Less brain power. 
yeah, less brain power and less size. They're just tiny boys compared to um, compared to everything. Like I forget how but, many there's like on Ulanor they were meant to be in them in them tens of millions. I want to say tens of millions, probably tens of trillions. <laughs> Yeah. at that point but yeah like e- even the 30k orcs don't hold a candle to the crork from the war in, ev- in heaven you know so it's like <laughs> it's just uh it's just a steady decline you know what i'm saying yeah it's personal preference i just thought i'd bring it up again you know it was more just a case that because of how i like the way 30k orcs are written and the fact we got them in this book gives it a, a nice big bonus for me um and also i'm it's uh so it's as part of it, we get a look at the Huskals as well, sort of sticking with Arcamus. Um, the Huskals, I think, were, were the first unit of... Um, so they didn't have rules necessarily, but they were the first of these free PDFs that, that Forge World have been given out each month. The uh, the life support <laughs> that they've been uh, keeping the, her- the heresy running on. So it's basically like um, they're what they're dudes in Cataphracty, Terminator armor. And you paint them a different color, and you can run them as huskals, um, which I may have to build a force up of because they look quite nice. But I might get some green stuff because they're all men who have big, nice cloaks, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, so big, like, nice black cloaks. That are black cloaks, is it? So I'll have to, uh, I'll have to give that a go. And um, so it's kind of cool to see a legion bodyguard that actually does bodyguarding because, like, a lot of a, a lot of a traitor primarchs who have bodyguards were are like. I have them for tradition, and that's basically that's basically it. I'm trying to think of who makes good use of their bodyguard. I mean, Perturabo really likes his Iron Circle, and Mortarian makes pretty good use of his. Um, I, I forget what his bodyguard are called. Uh, it's the Death Shroud. The Death Shroud. That's right. Um, but you know, like Korax abandons his bodyguard when his legion shattered. He's like, I don't actually need one. <laughs> you know, it was an it was a nice thing for parades and stuff, but. Yeah, you just go go be in the other squads. You know, I'll just I, I'm okay. Jagatai uses his um, his uh, bodyguard a lot. Yeah, that's Keshik. Loyalists, loyalists tend to, but the uh, the more unhinged chaos legions sort of lose sight of their voice. But you know, it was cool to see um, cool to see a bodyguard actually, Mister President, it for their primarch, even if he didn't really need to. Um. So, where what else? What else? Oh, well, we have our came our came as a second. Is this what you don't like? It's uh, is this what dropped the rating for you? Was the uh, the arising of our came as the third, the third technically, yeah. Yes, I don't like our. I don't like the. I like the character. I don't like the fact that he becomes our came as the third. There's no reason for it. There's absolutely no reason for it. Like. They've they haven't known each other for that long. It's been like I think the book takes place in like a week, like the whole thing. But they're both huskarls. No, the K- Kestrus is not a huskarl. Oh, he's not at the start, is he? Sorry. No, he's not. Start. He's just a, sar- a random sergeant that Arcamus came up to and went like, "You want to do something that you absolutely hate?" And Kestrus went like, "Do I have a choice?" Or you know, Arcamus went like, "No." <laughs> and, and like the the whole time, like Kestrus is doing something that he absolutely abhors, like something that he doesn't want to do. And then for some reason at the end, like even though they there's never been a time where they really develop a relationship either, it's just like they're just kind of there. It just goes like, yeah, guess I'll honor his name by taking it. Yeah. <laughs> like 
it doesn't make sense. There's no reason for it, and it really pisses me off. Oh, okay, all right. Pisses me off, goddammit. It's um, yeah. I guess what I would say to it. I mean, I think it's relatively minor for us at the moment, but he's going to come back in later books. So we've got to keep that in mind. And I think we've just got to accept that that's what's going to happen. I think it could have been a quite a cool thing. I, I mean, not a professional writer, but just spitballing is perhaps because I, I don't know. I don't, perhaps Archamus the second, as you, as you see it. So Archamus the first dies in training, basically, doesn't he? Yeah. So Archamus the second takes his name. And maybe when Dawn founds the Huskars, he could have enacted almost like because of that, he could have enacted like a tradition where if a Huskar dies, the person who comes in to replace them takes their name. And then you could have had Kestros sort of suddenly have this throne on him at the end. And it could have been like, and then in future books or at the end of this book, you could explore how he actually feels about that, you know, because he might, he wasn't prepared for it. Like, like you were like, sorry, like you weren't prepared for it. Neither was he. Is what I'm trying to say, um, and that could have been an interesting dynamic. Yeah, I guess I, I guess that's the only thing I like. Genuine, you know, didn't find very compelling. I think the rest of the book has a lot of reasoning behind it, and um, I don't know. We did reach out to John; he was really nice, and um, he just couldn't he couldn't make it on for this episode. But hopefully, in the future, when we get back to uh, some of his books down the line, unfortunately, I don't think we're going to see him for a while. We will be able to. Maybe we can ask him about his reasoning behind Arcamus Brother and it can all make sense to you. And that's what I'll ask him. We'll be like, Hopefully. John Brother absolutely despised and that's pretty much <laughs> verbatim. Um, when, when Arcamus, I absolutely, Arcamus, I absolutely uh, abhor the idea of Arcamus III. I have so what, sleepless what, nights, John. Because what, the, what the actual heck? Yeah. So got this, like, can't be swearing in front of a black uh, library author man you've got, you've got these this big you know detectives tangle webbed always sunny in philadelphia style how why john why was he why him? have you done this to us <laughs> i think it's a pretty minor thing and the fact you drop points for it a little bit petty Maybe. No, no, it actually put me off so much, dude. It put me off so much because because it's like giving a, a meh character the name of a great character, and it's like no, I don't like that. Yeah, it's like it's like if Gilliman died and then the calm became Gilliman. Yeah, like, <laughs> wait, hold up, <laughs> hold up, no, 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 ladies no, and gentlemen, no, no, no. ladies and gentlemen, we got it. Which, I'm yeah, Jagatai would, Jagatai would get named. No, 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 no. You no, initially, no. you initially just responded with yeah. So no, I'm getting no, 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 no. <laughs> Jagatai would just take the name of Papa Smurf in honor of Gilliman. That's that's what would happen. <laughs> he would, he would adopt all the like 150k <laughs> Ultramarines. Okay, and then we'll put the cut there. Okay, no, no, so no. moving on. Oh, hold uh, no, 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 go back. <laughs> Shit, go the, back. The entire final 20 minutes of this episode is just going to be Varela talking over me. To, like, I did not agree. Uh, don't worry, I'll leave it all in Varela. Um, but everyone knows that his initial reaction was, yeah. So we know what Varela's feeling deep down. Because I didn't expect Jagantai. I was just going like, yeah, he's going to say something, he's going to say something, you know, reasonable. And then you drop oh. that absolute, like, shell on me. Like, going nah, deep nah, down, nah. buddy. Nah, 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 nah. Varela loves blue. Let's get it trending. Um, no. I mean, is there really... Is there really anything... If we could do, if we did one more thing that you'd want to chat about? Or I feel like we've kind of... 
We kind of touched base with everything, I think. We've touched all the stories for sure. Uh, is there anything else though? Guess what does this... Oh, yeah, I'd really like something following up from this. Like, I'd love to just sort of see into the eyes of like an average Joe Imperial citizen on terror. Like, do you go and advertise that you've killed, you know, does a propaganda machine say Alvarius is dead? And... You just hear like a cannon boom in the distance. <laughs> yeah, the long games. Yeah. Damn, dude. Um, but yeah, it's... If I'd be interested to see that, um, I'd be interested to see what effect it would have on the Alpha Legion because we know that in private they are willing to speak their mind a little bit more. I would love to see a bit more about what's going on behind the scenes there, but I don't, I don't think we're going to get that much more of them. They do crop up everywhere, which I do like. I love how the Alpha Legion are, are splinter cells everywhere rather than a big legion roaming around. And I don't know how they're going to act in the siege, but I kind of hope it's similar um, rather than them putting like 10,000 guys on the field and charging, you know? Um, to just show up with 10,000 Morlocks somehow. Damn, dude. <laughs> they found necromancy. <laughs> That'd be crazy. I'd have to switch sides, man. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think this was a really cool um, introduction to what's going on in Terror, isn't it? and on terror sorry and in the soul system at this time and now we can look forward to the outcast dead and i think the outcast dead is gonna maybe it might take place a little bit earlier even it's sort of looking finism it's sort of around the time that magnus does his oopsie um but, but you know at the end of the day there's nothing wrong with jumping around in time a little bit as long as you can track where you're at in each book so i really enjoyed this book I think it was, um, I think it is a dark horse. And if you haven't, you know, if you haven't read it, I was going to say, but if someone asks, I would recommend it. I think it has, um, unless you're an Alpha Legion player, but I think it has, um, it's a, it's an encompassed story. Wouldn't you agree, Varela? And I think it climaxes well and uh, all the sort of, there's twists, everything concludes in a strong way um, and does really leave you wanting more about the Imperial Fists. I, I, I don't think so. <laughs> really? Yeah, no. I, you just I, I, dislike every Legion I like. Can we just get to No, that that's not true. Arcamus is dead. Therefore, there's no interest in the Imperial Fists anymore. You're not into Sigismund? You're not into Fafnir Ran? Fafnir Ran is just a space wolf in yellow armor. Let's let's be, let's be just be honest with ourselves, okay? If this was Battle for the Abyss and that was how we wrote space wolves all the time, I'd agree with you, but... Um... It's not necessarily, you know, you're allowed to have a different personality in each within the legions, you know. That's like being like, I was a good looking iron hand, and you'd be like, This is literally just a blood angel. In no, 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 no. Like, Fafnir Rand literally has two axes, he speaks and acts like a space wolf, and he just does space wolf things. There, there's nothing else to him, he's like. The furthest thing away from an imperial fist you could have. I'm glad. I'm good. I'm glad though. And you need diversity in, in the legions. Otherwise, it's just boring. If you don't have, you know, because you got to remember, every legion does everything. You're gonna have imperial fist assault marines. You're gonna have white scars 
devastator or destroyer squads, you know, heavy like heavy weapons teams. Everything, everyone has everything. Otherwise, they would not be an effective fighting force. So it's it's cool to see, and and obviously Fafnir has definitely been had his personality to fit the fact that he is the assault cadre commander. That he's obviously they've made him a more aggressive character. Um, but I think he's going to crop up. Sigismund is a don. I, I think maybe you should get um, Shadows of Treachery just to get read Crimson Fist yourself because I don't think I did it justice. Um, but uh, yeah, I I mean, guess what, Varela? There's loads more Imperial Fists in this in this series, so you don't have a choice. <laughs> this is a, this is a, my series. This is my series. This is my my Legion now, um, and my faction, the Custodes, my favorite faction. I'm being held hostage in this podcast. I gave you a whole series about your favorite stuff last. I could have, we could have done scars and then not done Path of Heaven until like the second to last series, um, and I could have just been dangling it in front of you with a, like a like a carrot, the entire podcast. So like, Ooh, maybe we'll do Path of Heaven next for our level. You'd um, be holding it in front of me like Andromeda held that glass of water in front of Hyracro. Yeah. Damn. So. So uh, yeah, I think we'll we'll conclude there for one of our episodes. It's a little bit on the short side, but the Imperial Fists are very straight to the point. Um, so luck, and so are the Alpha Legion in a way in this book. You know, they are they're convoluted, but once they've got their mission, they get on it. So much like that, we'll uh, we will end in an efficient manner. Um, just a friendly reminder to follow us on Twitter at Horace Owl Pod. Uh, hit the bell button on Twitter so that you don't miss an episode. Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube, Horus Hour, and um... and the big thanks to our Patreons, mainly yeah. Vasily. Uh, you all help us make this happen, make us, you know, keep moving forward, and make us really happy. <laughs> so thank you a lot, uh, and yeah, <laughs> yeah. And just everyone remember that Varela is a blue heart. Lies. Okay. Thank you so much. Uh, it's goodbye from me. And from Varela. Wait, where, where was the Emperor this whole time? I beg your pardon? Where was the Emperor this whole time? In this whole uh, book? Yeah. You can't, um, he's vibing. Well, luckily, Varela. If I, I mean, if only there was a book in this series that's going to cover what he's been up to this whole time. You know? Anyway, it's goodbye from me and from Varela. I'll see you. Bye now. <laughs>